Was the Frankish King Childreg a real barbarian, a Roman, or a little of both? Find out today on Footnoting History. Hello, this is Nicole, and welcome to the September 6th episode of Footnoting History. This morning we'll be discussing the 5th century Frankish king Childeric, in order to understand identity and authority at the end of the Roman Empire in the West. Childeric was born circa 440 CE, that is common era, to Merovec, the somewhat mythical founder of the Merovingian dynasty of the Franks, who ruled the Frankish kingdom until they were overthrown in 751 by the Carolingian dynasty, best known for Charlemagne or Charles the Great. Apart from some later legends about his origins, which include his mother's encounter with a sea monster that, it is insinuated, impregnated her and was thus his father, we have almost no evidence related to Merovec. He was probably one of many Frankish warlords or petty kings active in the Roman province of Gaul, which corresponds to present-day France, Luxembourg, Belgium, and the western parts of Switzerland and Germany. The Franks were a confederation of peoples who lived on the other side of the major western Roman border, the Rhine River, and its tributaries in what today is the southern Netherlands, and appear in Roman sources from the mid-3rd century on. From the early 5th century, the Franks became dominant in northeastern Gaul, while another group, the Visigoths, took over southwestern Gaul. The family that became the Merovingian dynasty consolidated power over the Franks thanks in large part to Childeric and his son Clovis, who was the first to rule over all of the Franks and assumed the kingship at Childeric's death in 481. Childeric was a Frank, and he was also a pagan, and therefore to the Romans of the 5th century a quote-unquote real barbarian. Christianity had been legalized by the Roman Emperor Constantine in 313 with the Edict of Milan and made the official state religion via a series of decrees by the Emperor Theodosius, who ruled the eastern part of the Roman Empire from 379 and the entire empire from 392 until his death in 395. The Romans also considered all non-Romans, or peoples living outside of the Roman Empire, as barbarians. Although in reality there was not such a neat dichotomy, and by the 5th century frontier society on either side of the border would have looked similar, Romans contrasted Romanness, which they equated with civilization and cities, and the whole Roman package of ideals, with what they considered the barbarism of those outside the borders. However, Childeric also fought in service of Rome and was the father of the Franks' first Christian king, Clovis. Childeric's life brings up the issues of barbarism versus civilization, Germanic slash barbarian versus Roman, and paganism versus Christianity. This ambivalence is created by the sources, but historians have generally either emphasized one or the other aspect. Instead of seeing these categories as mutually exclusive, as I will explain in the remainder of this podcast, we should instead see Childeric as both a real barbarian and an officer of the Roman Empire. So what do we know about Childeric? Most of our evidence comes from Gregory of Tours' late 6th century History of the Franks, the main narrative source of Merovingian history, as well as a bit of information from other 5th and 6th century chroniclers. We know he was a king, as his name was placed in the royal genealogy as the son of our almost unknown King Merovac, discussed previously. Childeric became king of the Franks around 455, and he was a pagan. He was clearly king of the Franks. So far, so good, but here is where things get tricky. He campaigned against the Visigoths and Saxons, other barbarian groups, but it looks like his army fought side by side with the Romans. 
We know that he definitely signed a FOTIS, or treaty, with Odoacer against another group, the Alamans, yet another barbarian group which was invading northern Italy, and fought in the service of the last Roman emperors and then Odoacer. Odoacer was a Germanic general in the Roman army, but he was neither the king of any specific Germanic group, nor did he command units of one particular ethnic background. In 476, he deposed the last Roman emperor of the West, a child named Romulus Augustulus, with the approval of the Roman Senate, and ruled Italy in theory as a client of the Roman emperor in the East, until he himself was deposed by the Ostrogothic king Theodoric, at the request of the Eastern Roman emperor Zeno. The cases of Odoacer and Theodoric, like that of Childric, show that the political situation of the late 5th century was much more complicated than Roman versus barbarian, and that ethnic identity was not the sole, or perhaps even the most important, type of identity for 5th century people. In addition to being a Frankish king, Childric was also a delegate of Roman authority. He was king of a people, the Franks, and not a territorial ruler, but he had an official delegation of territorial authority in northern Gaul. Childric controlled the civil administration of the Roman province of Reims, while the bishop of Reims controlled its religious administration. In addition to the narrative sources, we know a lot about Childric because of the discovery and excavation of his tomb in 1653 in the Belgian town of Tournai. It was outside of the Roman wall on the ancient road, on the northeastern side of the river Scouts, near a medieval church dedicated to St. Bryce, who was Bishop of Tours from 397. Unfortunately, the treasure was stolen in Paris in 1831, but Jean-Jacques Chiflet had analyzed, drawn, and published all the items in 1655. So how do we know that it was, in fact, Childric's grave? Like many archaeological sites, the finds were dated on the basis of coins, as well as a seal ring that had a portrait and inscription, Childric Regis. Coins are particularly useful for understanding the earliest possible date for a site, as Roman coins can easily be attributed to the reign of, of particular emperors, and sometimes to narrower time periods. The coins found in Childric's tomb include 100 gold solidi, minted mainly in Constantinople, dating from the emperors Theodosius II, who ruled from 408 to 450, and Zeno, who ruled from 476 to 491. The seal ring definitely identifies the grave as that of Childric, as opposed to any other barbarian chieftain of the period. It is also a particularly useful piece of evidence for thinking about issues of identity and authority in 5th century Gaul. The seal ring has both Roman and barbarian elements. It includes Childric's name, which includes ideas of power, the ending Rick, and that of fighting, the, the Hild, and is a typically barbarian and warlike name, as one would expect from a Frankish king. However, on the seal ring, the name is also associated with the Roman title of Rex, which implies that Childric's title was recognized in Rome. Additionally, the fact that the text was inverted and also in the genitive form suggests that it was meant to be used for official documents. This is something that is very Roman and shows that Childric had a real chancery for producing and disseminating official missives, which is something that a run-of-the-mill barbarian warlord would not have had. The portrait on the ring shows a long-haired king, a symbol of Germanic kings, but Childric is also wearing Roman-style armor and a coat, possibly the paludamentum worn by Roman officials on his chest and shoulders. So much like the ring itself, the overall contents of Childric's grave show both his Roman and Germanic slash barbarian sides. Demonstrating his links with the Roman world are a gold cross-shaped brooch on Childric's chest of a type worn by high-level Roman officials in the late Roman Empire. Additionally, the coins themselves resemble, and could be, pay given by the empire to allied barbarian kings. 
The weapons, scabbards, belt buckles, and other jewelry found in the grave, plus the gold and garnets, show connections with the larger barbarian world. In particular, the jewelry suggests connections with Pannonia, modern-day Hungary, both during its domination by the Huns of Attila fame and after. In 1983, Raymond Brulé began new scientific archaeological excavations in Tournai near the church, which showed that the grave was in a Frankish cemetery in use to the 7th century. What do I mean by scientific archaeology? Well, in the later 20th century, scientific archaeology, in which each stratigraphic level is carefully excavated and documented, became the norm, replacing earlier methods that focused mainly on unearthing monuments and getting down to ancient ruins, often ignoring, and in the process destroying, any medieval or later levels on sites. During the excavation, Brulé found three large pits with four to ten skeletons of horses, which may have been associated with Childeric's funeral. In the Germanic world, horse burials were often associated with chieftains. We have a site in Moravia where five horses were buried around a chieftain around 500 uh, CE, so pretty close chronologically. The Church of St. Bryce was potentially associated with the grave as well. The Franks, who became Christianized after Childeric's son, Clovis, converted to Christianity, might have hoped that Clovis's father, because of his son's conversion, would have a place in heaven. That said, Childeric definitely had a barbarian and pagan funeral, outside the Roman walls and along a Roman road, in accordance with Roman tradition. Note that Christians had begun burying their dead within the walls of the city by this period of time. But Childeric may have been Christianized by future generations. So as you can see, the case of Childeric shows that it's hard to draw a clear dichotomy between Romans and barbarians in the 5th century, despite centuries of Roman rhetoric depicting barbarians as the clear-cut other. Although Childeric was a king of his own people, the Franks bordered and interacted with Roman communities, and Childeric himself formed political alliances with the Romans and administered territory in Gaul as a Roman official. Ties with, or goods from Rome, brought prestige to the chieftains that could get them and could give them advantages in their own struggles for power, while the Romans needed barbarian leaders to help them fight their wars. This has been Footnoting History. If you like the podcast, be sure to visit our website, footnotinghistory.com, where you can find links to further reading suggestions related to this week's episode, as well as a calendar of upcoming podcasts. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at History Footnote. Until next time, remember, the best stories are always in the footnotes. See you next week.